Welcome to episode 12 of the Fresh Out the Deli podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Sicali. I'm here with Nick Alvarico. Uh, and it's good to be back. Yes, it is. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. I think you probably could have. Perhaps. That wasn't particularly what? impressive. <laughs> well, who's counting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, again, it's been like another month since the last time we spoke. Uh, We're both very busy people, um, and I feel like the distance makes the heart grow fonder. So the less we talk, the more we have to talk about once we reunite, you understand? That's what I'm telling myself. Well, if if you need a little more Freeman in your life, you know know where to reach me on my cell phone. Yeah. I'm just a phone call away. You're like Drake. Yeah. Yeah. How am I like Drake? Because I can call you on your cell phone. On my hotline bling? Yes. Hotline Bling. Yeah. I like that song the first <laughs> 150 times I heard it. And then, well, things went south. It had a big big bell curve for me. Like the first 20 oh, yeah. times I thought it was really dumb. And then I thought it was really great. And then it like it died after like, like 120. Back to super dumb? Pretty much. Like now I can't listen to it. Oh, well. I'm yeah. sure Drake is is losing sleep over it. I'm, you, you know. Anyway, so, so tell me about the Foles concert you went to on Tuesday, because yes. you said okay. in your text message that it was the best concert you'd ever been to. Yes, uh, specifically, I said it was far and away the best uh, concert I've ever been to, and I haven't been to like a huge number of live music events, but I've been to like a decent amount, um, and it was not even close. I can't even think of the second best one. Um, first of all, it was at a venue that I really like, uh, Revolution Live in Fort Lauderdale, um, which uh, I like it because it's like small and big at the same time. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense, it's like a it's a live music venue that has like a couple bars in it, and it's about fifteen hundred people can fit. Uh, so it's not that tiny venue, but it's still, um, it's big enough that it's like exciting and small enough that you can get close to the band and see them, you know? It's definitely an intimate setting, but it's like not like a small spot. Like it's, it's a largest, a largish open room and it's got the two levels, but like, it's like everybody's kind of confined there. So it's kind of nice. Uh, yeah. So I got there, like, I left work a little early. Um, I went, and, uh, you know, the thing about Revolution is they open the doors at, excuse me, they open the doors at, like, 6.30, and they come on at 10, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But we we were standing in the pit, which I I love. I love being on the floor. Uh, I don't like being far away. I don't like standing in balconies and... Uh, I like being close to the artist and um, made sure we got there on time. And uh, What else? The openers are actually very good. Um, so was Foles the opening – like an opening act or were they like the, the actual headliner of no, the night? No, they were the headliner of the okay, night. Cool. The two openers were uh, – the first one was a band called Kiev. K-I-E-V, and I very much liked them. They uh, had this really interesting sound. 
they had like a saxophonist and he had like three solos in the four songs that they played and that was super cool um and they were really nice um they're from like they just got in from california like yeah we got in from california about 30 minutes ago um so we're here to rock, woohoo! And uh, then this band called Bare Hands played, and they they were pretty cool. They're the type of band who they have about like they have three albums worth of material, and probably four good songs, but mm-hmm. the ones that are good are really good. Yeah, um, I gotcha. Yeah, and they're they're like typical, um, uh, kind of like Young the Giant type band but a little more indie and a little more like electronic um mm-hmm. but the similar style of music uh and then Foles came out uh and they were so high energy and Giannis sounds great live the uh, vocalist Giannis like, is he, awesome he's like yeah, so he excited the entire show yeah he didn't miss a beat uh sounded great every single part of the act sounded so good uh, I was floored and I um you know the the set list was great I was really impressed. I thought they were just going to play stuff from their new album, and that's it, and, like, a couple from their old ones. But they they got, like, three from each album. You know, mm-hmm. they really mixed it up. So, so like, when I've seen them on their more, most recent tours, like, I don't like the last two albums that much. I don't think they're bad, but they're just – they're whatever to me. They don't yep. have that much, like, replay value. But the, the mm-hmm. songs live, it's, it's, at least the ones that they always seem to pick, are really great. Like Providence yes. and Snake Oil are really awesome live, and they're songs I'd never listen to like on Spotify. Uh huh. Absolutely, uh, Providence is like a write-off song. And if you remember in our last podcast, or maybe two, mm-hmm. two ago, you mentioned uh, when when you saw them at ACL uh, that they play Providence. I'm like, really? Why? And now I understand. It's a very intense song, and they play a lot of. They, I think they played the chorus a couple extra times. Yeah, the, the, that outro lasts like five minutes long. Yeah. It's just like the loudest thing you've ever heard. Exactly, my ears are ringing so much. I really intense. Uh, so you're right. They they pick the songs that sound the best live, and um, some of my favorite songs, you know, Olympic Airwaves. I can't believe they played Red Sox Pudgy, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" When they started, that was a loss. <laughs> was not expecting that. Um, and the guy in front of me, I saw he was texting his friends, like, they're playing stuff from their old albums. Uh, it was really exciting. I, and I can't really stress that enough, how awesome it is to hear um, these songs that I've heard a billion times live. And they sound better than they do on the album. Were you, know? were you close enough to the stage um, where you had, like, did Giannis actually, like, run around where you guys were? Because he always, like, jumps into the stage once or twice, or jumps into the audience once or twice. Yes, he did. So um, a couple times he went to the back and then walked through and everybody's patting him on the head and, you know, slapping him on the back and whatnot. And as he makes his way to the front of the stage. He's so much shorter uh, than everybody else in the band, too. Yeah, the bassist is a giant man. He, he reminds me so much of Brian. Yes. Like, I okay. think he looks exactly like my brother. Like, <laughs> just, like, the lankiness and, like, the tallness and just kind of, like... like the curly the, hair? Yeah, like, the, when Brian used to have the lighter, curlier hair when he was a little younger. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the face Brian always had. The the thing, though, is the bassist, he looks about 15 years older than everybody else <laughs> in the van. Which is uh, not, you know, a bad thing. He's got the experience and the wisdom. But anyway, yeah, Giannis, you, you understand Revolution is, like, a horseshoe shape. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a big U. 
uh, with the venue uh, in the open space of the U. Like, and he was just walking around the bar, like the the shelf. I don't know what the fuck you'd call it, but where you know, like the space that people are leaning on. Yeah, yeah. There's like the railing that goes around. Like, yeah. There's the big crowd of people in the middle. And then there's a railing kind of around that, and then there's that like second-ish tier place where people can, like, lean up against the railing and drink, and that's around, like, where you get the drinks and stuff. It, it's, like, three stories, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got the pit, which is a staircase. Like, not... It's, like, half a flight down. It's pretty deep in that bowl, uh-huh. you know? And then you have the ground level where it's got the railing all along it with the bar so you can lean up against it and put a drink down. And he was walking along that, just kicking drinks out. <laughs> it was kind of fucking hilarious. Just going around he's in the back, sort of jamming out. And it's cool because, like, uh, during two steps, like, they just keep the um, – I don't even know. I'm not even going to attempt to sing it. But the part – you know, they can just keep that going. Uh-huh. You know? the, like the, the build. You could, they could build yeah, that the, part forever. Exactly. They can have the riff go for as long as they'd like. Yeah. Uh, and they did that as he was marching around the stage. Um, so, you know, I don't want to... Uh... Oh, and the encore was incredible. They finished with Inhaler, which is a really awesome song live. It's a really awesome song, and live was insane. Mm-hmm. I was, I felt like I was going to throw up because I was jumping up and down and, like, pumping my fists so hard. Um, so then that ends, and then everyone's like, let's leave before they, people realize there isn't an encore. Uh, and I'm like, wait... There's no way it's not going to be an encore. <laughs> so immediately they come out and they play What Went Down, which I actually like. Yeah, I like that song a lot too. Yeah, and that was super cool. Then they played um, Hummer, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like such an obscure song. I know. It was when Foles was like a fledgling internet darling band before they actually even released their first album, Hummer and Mathletics were like the two mm-hmm. big singles that pumped everybody up. So uh, they're embracing of their old music and why people like them so much and what made them so famous is what I really appreciated about them. Uh, the encore was awesome. They were a really great band live. The, the live, like the light show was so cool. Like, I very much like to close my eyes when I'm at concerts because, you know, I just drink it in, the music. But I didn't want to because the, the light show was so great. Um, everything about the concert was perfect. There was there was not a single thing I think they could have done better. And for that reason, I recommend you see Foles um, if you if you ever get the chance. And I know, Nick, you've seen them four times, right? Yep. So, I mean, that's why – and they're still at the point where now in America they're getting popular enough and they have fans. So, like – the crowds now are slightly different than they were, like, the first two times I saw them were – well, the first time it was it was weird. So the first time I saw them, there was maybe 150 people there at, at the entire show. And everybody that was there were people that knew the band because it was at FSU and it was, like, on campus and it was just really cool. Um, and then the second time, they were the opening act for Silver Sun Pickups. And that was, like, it was pretty lame. <laughs> or maybe even Cage the Elephant. But I saw them – and they were one time Silver Sun, one time Cage the Elephant. And because they were, like, the opening act, like, there was a handful of people in the audience. But most of the time, people weren't, like, that excited because it yeah. wasn't. So um, that kind of was a bummer. Um, and then when I saw them at ACL, it was more people that were interested in them. Um, but it was during the day. So I've seen them in a bunch of different settings. But uh-huh. they're, like, right now at the good la- – uh, like, if you see them at a venue like that – you get really lucky because they're at the right size. That there's enough people to fill out the venue that know their music or at least know it well enough. 
to get really excited about it, and they have enough songs um, that they can, you know, play a good a good mix and kind of hit all their albums without like feeling obligated to play anything. So yes, no, they're at, like this is definitely they're in their prime for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Did I miss anything? Did I did I neglect to say anything about the show? Because again, you've seen it many many times. So <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just excited that you enjoyed it so much. I'd suggest, you know, like you said, to anybody who hasn't seen it. I mean, I just love live music. So and their their tickets when I saw them were only they're only like twenty five bucks. Yeah, no, I I Ticketmaster fucked me, but they were only twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, um, oh yeah, and remember last time we had to leave early. Last time we went to. Um, Aesop Rock. Yeah, we saw Aesop Rock at um, Revolution, which was which was okay. I mean, I'm seeing him um, next weekend again. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, with the Run the Jewels and uh, at the what? music festival that I'm going to next weekend. Oh, so okay, it's cool. Like he's just one of the like secondary acts, but mm-hmm. I mean, hey, I'll see him. It's him and the other, the giant white guy that was with him, the old white guy. Oh, Rob Sonic. <laughs> Rob Sonic. Yeah, Rob Sonic's <laughs> with him again. We we perhaps made fun of him a little too much. He, wasn't he was bad. An, he was an this this like look, he looks like he's forty five year old like white dude who definitely like you feel like if you ran into him he'd just be talking about the football or something and he was wearing a Guns and Roses t yeah. and he was rapping and it was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, but last time we saw Aesop Rock, we got the parking and we paid for only like four hours and we had to leave so we didn't get booted or something. Yeah, um, all the other cars in the parking lot had the boot on them, and we were the yeah. last ones. We had, like, two minutes left on the thing, and we were like, oh, should we stay for the last song? Nah, let's let go. And then we were like, oh, maybe. They're not going to tow everybody, and it's like, we're definitely <laughs> lucky they left. Everybody was being towed. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Um, I paid for five hours, and it's 10.57, and the, sh- the concert is in full swing. It's, like, song number eight of the... Um, of the 13 songs they played in their main set list. Mm. Right. So I'm thinking I'm not leaving. They can boot my car, but this is awesome. So it's like in my head, calculating a dollar value, how much I would pay to stay to see this. And I think I came up with $150. (laughs) Especially because you've already sat through like the bad part, right? You've already fought through the crowd and waited like in the moment. And this was, um, the crowd crush was so intense You'd breathe and you could stick your head anywhere and you'd just get hot, sweaty armpit no matter where you'd breathe. And that's part of the experience for me. I also started moshing because during um, Hummer, people started losing their minds at the front of the stage. (laughs) So I just started knocking people over to get to the mosh pit because that's awesome. I love doing that. And I had my high tops on. I had my high top Converse so I wasn't going to hurt my ankle or anything. Um so naturally, I f- ran up there, bowled a hundred people over, and we were going crazy. Uh, and then I got even more hot and sweaty. But uh, the point of all this, I'm thinking, what was the point? So I- did your car get booted? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened was, I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this concert. And uh, I get out there, and after the encore, and no boot. It was 30 minutes after my time expired. No boot. But there weren't many cars that had boots on them at all, which leads me to believe you only got booted if you didn't pay. Oh, like if you just parked there and did nothing? Yeah, if you didn't pay for like three hours or something, which definitely 
the the people who went to the Aesop Rock concert were this like very scummy looking people who like definitely yeah. <laughs> half of them desperately needed a shower and I could definitely see them not paying for parking. You so, know what it might be? It might be that you have to pay up until like eleven o'clock or something. No, it's I the sign says pay always. Like there's no ways <laughs> no free time at all. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, well I'm glad you stayed. That would have been a bummer yeah. if you would have missed Hummer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm laughing at the rhyme. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. It, it would have been, I would have been very disappointed. And um, I, I think we should really move on just because we have a lot to talk about today. But um, if you, the listener, gets a chance to see Foles at any point, uh, definitely come out. Or just any and, band that you really like. Yeah. Um, also, I, I discovered them three days before the concert via the concerts tab on the Spotify desktop application. So had I not done that, I would have de- I would have had no idea they were there. Thanks, Spotify. Exactly. So they, definitely check out the Spotify concerts tab and you'll see. Um, th- that concerts tab almost uh, cost me $100. What? Once because... Um, I was after ACL. I was listening to Radiohead. Yeah, and it said that Radiohead was performing on Friday, the next Friday, at six p.m. for fifty dollars. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" If like maybe this is like some weird like either pre-concert for like the actual festival or like some sort of like side gig, but like fifty dollars to see Radiohead, I would definitely throw that down. So I was going to go and buy one for me and Melissa, and I clicked it because it was like the event, and it was ticket. they sold tickets, and if you got the ticket, you had to go three miles from the concert venue, rent a canoe, and canoe down the river to the venue. <laughs> what? And then the, – so the $50 got you the canoe at the time of the concert, so you could, had enough time to canoe down the river, and so you can go and float in the river while the band was playing at ACL. So you were, like, behind the stage. You couldn't see anything, and you got, like, the background noise of a crowd and, like, speakers not facing you while you were on a canoe in the middle of the night. What a scam. <laughs> it was, like – so I almost had $50. So it was, like, look. It's, like – it says Radiohead. It says they start at 6. It says it's at this venue or whatever. And, like, I looked at it. It was, like, this isn't real at all. It's just people selling you a canoe. That's terrible. <laughs> You're right. That is just a canoe selling. Yeah. It was, it was pretty uh, deflating. Well, good thing you didn't get that because that would have pissed me off had I realized I paid for a canoe rental. <laughs> so our main topic today, I think – I mean we could stray everywhere because we always stray random places. But our main topic is going to be uh, Westworld, I think. Yes. Because – Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I uh, – go ahead. I, well, I was going to just say – so the show's been on. I think there's been four episodes so far. Indeed. Um, yes. It's been so it's been on for about a month. Uh, it's been really popular online. Uh, I've seen some mixed reviews in terms of like the critical commentary. Uh, so I wasn't really sold on it yet, even though the trailer looked really good. And then you texted me and said that you were like kind of obsessed with it. So yeah. I uh, I tried it out and I watched all four episodes last Sunday. And caught up, and yeah, now we're going to talk about it. No, um, I I am a very big fan of the show um, for a few reasons. One, I am very fascinated with uh, artificial intelligence, uh, and I think the show has such a good production value, and 
um, does such a good job of, you know, I don't know. They do like world building is a really big thing mm-hmm. now, and it always has been, especially in, in film. And they do such a good job of immersing you, and it feels realistic, and you actually believe it, and um, everything feels like intense. And if you think about it, there's no sets other than this place. You know, they they don't. It's either in uh, Bernie's house, I think was one set. The other was uh, inside the facility, mm-hmm. inside Westworld, uh, the, like the inner workings of it, like the office. Yeah, yeah. There's like the Westworld corporate setting where everybody seems yeah. to live, and it's futuristic, and where the trains are. And then there's the inside Westworld. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 I don't know. There's so there's like few settings, but it it doesn't matter because you're you're so immersed in what's happening, and that's like the whole point is they don't want to spread you thin. And um, I don't really care to see anywhere else except for these places mm-hmm. because the characters are so good. I think. Yeah, I think the acting's really good. Like, so I have a couple problems with the show. If we're talking like purely in like a artistic or like a critical commentary um i have some problems with it but i think the cinematography and the acting and like just the way it looks and feels like Mm -hmm. it could be like the worst show that's ever been made but if you had that production value it's still worth watching okay like it's such a beautiful show and like right so i think that has uh it has that going for it and the world is definitely impressive Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, like, I don't really care too much about the characters themselves. Like, I think that, okay. like, they're kind of interesting, but in terms of, like, an emotional attachment to anything, I'm not there yet. And I know it's only, like, four episodes, so hopefully that'll grow. But that's my main mm-hmm. problem with it is, like, none of these characters are, like, characters that you're, like, either sympathizing with really or that you're, like, really, really into. They're all just interesting. Okay. Fair point. Um... I can't say I 100% agree, though. Okay. Um, because I I absolutely identify a lot more with the androids or the cyborgs or the hosts, as they call them in the show. For those who aren't initiated, uh, it's a television show about a – I think this is important to mention. <laughs> um, it's a television show about a – in the, in the not-so-distant future – um, humans have developed AI to the point where it's near indistinguishable from humanity, uh, and they make this sort of theme park where it's like a Wild West theme, uh, and you pay a, as a human a ton of money, and you go and you can do whatever you want to these androids. You can have sex with them, you can shoot them, you can hang out with them, you don't have to do anything you don't want to, and you can do whatever you do want to. And... Um, I, I don't think they've made this clear. Uh, I think after some period of time, I don't know if it's like a day or a week or, or something, um, the robot's memories are reset. Mm-hmm. So that's one problem I have – or one – not problem. It's not a problem. So one of the many questions is how long are these loops? Because like mm-hmm. it seems like you have guests there – like um, Ed Harris's character, who's clearly like takes years out of his life to just live in Westworld, so like he sees the loops reset and they don't reset around him. But then you have also you have people like um, what's his name, like William, right? 
So you have people like yes. William who come in and they come in for a day or two, and it's like it seems like those loops are resetting, but they're there for multi- like a weekend, and like they're still there, and sometimes the characters remember them, but sometimes they don't. So it's really hard to know when the loops were set and why the loops were set and what the robots know every day. It's not right. really made clear. No, it isn't. Um, I wouldn't say that's a, a bad thing um, because I don't think it's important to the story. Right. I think what you need to know is eventually after some period of time they do get reset. Um, before I continue, I don't know if I was able to mention this. Um, I connect a lot more with the androids because them figuring out um, basically there are spoilers. So skip ahead to the end and work yeah. your way backwards to this podcast. That's, this is a given. If you haven't watched the show yet, we're going to talk about in pretty pretty much in explicit details what's going on. So <laughs> if you haven't gotten that hint yet and you want to watch the show um, or you like you don't want us to spoil anything, you should probably just listen to like the last 10 minutes where we talk about back. Yes. Oh, oh my. Okay. So yeah, I, I identify with them a lot because them figuring out, okay, what's happening to them? How come they're having all these weird memories? And, um, I, I, I think that's it, it, the whole question raises, the whole show raises a lot of questions about ethics and the morality and what defines a human and what, at what point do, AI become, you know, they're afforded the same rights. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. There's a lot that they don't want to tell you right away. And um, like what this maze is, what this man in black, the Ed Harris guy is looking for. There's a lot to the show that they want to keep on the down low. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what what to you um, was probably your favorite moment of the show? Uh, moment is I mean there's a lot of interesting things I really liked uh, in it may have just been the second episode seeing the train and like not them like going into Westworld but them actually getting to the theme park where it's like you see that they're in the future yes and you see the type of clientele before they're immersed into the amusement park I really liked seeing like that they also – they not only have the AI in the amusement park that are on these loops that, like, don't really have memories, but they also have robots that are kind of servants in the real world as well. And yeah. as we get further into the show and you spend more time in Westworld, you start thinking more about what's outside of it. And, like, okay, if they have all this stuff to make – like, all the technology to, like, print these robots at will and program them pretty much at will and change all the stuff in here – like, what's the outside world, the real future like? Yeah. And, like, eventually we're going to get glimpses of that. Like, what kind of new technology exists outside the world? Like, is Westworld actually on the planet Earth? Or is it, like, somewhere else? Or is it all virtual reality? Like, not even robots? Like, maybe it's all virtual reality, like, headsets and yeah. it's just a huge video game? Like, you don't really know. Mm-mm. No, they don't make that entirely clear. Uh, and you speak to people who've seen the show, and a lot of them have details like mixed up. There was a guy at work who was saying, "Oh, um, 
you know, they're remembering that they used to be humans and then they got turned into androids, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think is what actually happened. Well, but I was – so I was kind of thinking something like that though. Like what if all of these loops or the androids – I'm not saying that they used to be humans, but what if they like use like real memories of real people who have died or something and then put those into the stories? Yeah. And like now uh, these androids are starting to remember like the human that they're based on or something like that. Um, it's it's a little far fetched. I think they're probably no, just robots, I, but I think that like that could be a possibility. I think what they um them remembering quote unquote is is them remembering their past lives where they get shot in the face. Um, when that lady wakes up, um, Moth, I think is her name, mm-hmm. uh, owner of Mariposa's saloon or something, right? Right. She remember how she gets shot and she starts wandering around um, the corporate office, the operations center of Westworld, and she shouldn't be awake. Like that was super intense because that has huge implications. Because like they're waking up on their own and they're they're not as easily controlled. Um, the thing that I love about the show so much um, is they do a great job of um, show not tell. You know, mm-hmm. um, instead of saying like, oh, my God, look, the robots, look at them remembering things. It's like, do you remember that moment where Dolores rides up to the ranch and she sees like because she hears the gunshots and she gets there alone this time just because Teddy is in a different story now. Right. And she gets there alone and the guy runs out of the house, says, hey, and shoots her in the stomach. And then she then they the the show actually plays that exact scene right over. Mm-hmm. You know, and they they like replay it, but they don't tell you. It doesn't go like a noise. It's just the show plays it again, and that was a very clever, like tongue in cheek way of saying this is Dolores remembering that memory, right? Because th- this exact same thing has happened before, and she's recognizing that, and she's going out of her way to avoid it. So, do you want to talk about some of like the theories? That people have about the show or, like, kind of, like, the possibilities for the sh- Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did, did you have some in mind? I, I actually hadn't read anything about the show other than what critics said about okay. it. Okay. So here's – so let me tell you a couple things. So there's one theory out there that people think that Bernard is a robot. Do you agree? Um – I mean, immediately I'm going to say no, um, because he had the son with the wife who died. Right, but like, so why people talk about this theory is because when you learn about the son and the wife that died, or the son that died, um, you learn it because Anthony Hopkins comes in, and it's the only part of the entire like series so far that they're telling, not showing. And Anthony oh. Hopkins like pretty clearly says bernard don't you remember your son your son passed away or like or something like that and he says it almost like a robotic command and people oh think God. like he could just be like that maybe never actually happened he's just like reasserting that like bernard had a past yeah and like then there's the the other woman that works there that pretty much just uses bernard for sex and people think, oh, what like, the hell is her name? I thought I, I told you before we did this that I'd know who the hell this was. Um, her name is no, 
But it, no. it, like she's like an interesting character. Oh, um, Sidse is her name apparently. Okay. Well, either uh, way, people like noted that she doesn't really interact with Bernard on any sort of emotional level, but she like uses him for sex, and that's what yeah. people, the people do to the robots in Westworld. Like, of course, she's not gonna wa- she's gonna have sex and just leave because it's, he's a robot. She doesn't care about him. Okay. Or like his emotional well being or whatever. So, like, there are a couple things that people think that Bernard might be a robot. Okay, I could see that. That that might like now. <laughs> th- this is why I don't look these up because a lot of them make a lot of sense. And then when it happens, I'm like, oh, I saw this coming a mile away. Um. Well, Jake, yeah. you don't want to talk about theories. You don't have to. No, I do. Let's keep keep them coming. I want okay. to hear these. And then the other one, I so, s- well, 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 what do you think about that one? I, I think it's possible. Um, they haven't set up the precedent so far in the show as far as we know um you know right away if somebody's a robot or not like they haven't really tried that's one thing they haven't been trying to hide uh like you know exactly like when you enter westworld which people are hosts and which people are guests and you know which of the assistants in the real world are robots and which are humans so because they haven't been able to or been trying to confuse you in that way in any other sense i tend to think that bernard's probably just like a random ass dude but like i could because it's hbo and it's television i mean that's uh, one like a pretty standard twist right like what they were a robot the whole right time. like at the end of the season you realize that oh shit like this one main character was actually a robot the whole time my my issue with that is like exactly what you said they have everybody set it up. you yeah, well, you know who's a robot and who's not immediately, and I feel like the procedure for knowing who's a robot or not, they'll usually show them in a compromised state, like they're sitting in a chair naked or something. Um, so I guess he would have to be some pet project. Um, I Maybe they keep talking about this guy. Is it Arthur or Arnold? Arnold. It's Arnold, Okay. He was Anthony Hopkins' um, protege or partner, uh, and then the, they they haven't made it clear whether he's he died or he disappeared. Or apparently, he wanted to make like completely sentient life that was like AI that was unshackled, mm-hmm. as in it didn't have any protocols for shutting it down. It was just um, on its own, and they don't really say what happened to him. But perhaps he was the prototype for Bernard. Oh, like you think he may be Bernard? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, if that's just... possible. It doesn't doesn't mean. I mean, if we're just spitballing ideas. The problem with these theories is like you're just going off like minimal pieces of evidence mm-hmm. and four um, episodes of information. Exactly, uh, and I don't know. So it, I, I've never been a fan of these whole theories, but I, I find them interesting. Another one of the theories. This will be the only other one I go to. Was that William? So that so the theory is that the show isn't necessarily linear in terms of time. Okay. Like just because we're seeing two things on the screen back back to back doesn't necessarily mean they're happening back to back. Like these yeah. could all be like three or four different cycles just in one episode and we just don't know yet that they're separate. So there's uh-huh. a theory saying that William is actually the young version of Ed Harris. I don't believe that. That sounds kind of stupid. Yeah, probably. 
I think it's probably dumb too, but but well, that's another theory. Like, well, what's what's the evidence behind? Is do they say, oh, just because he's probably just old? because there's like two characters, there's two male characters, one's old and one's young. I don't really know what the premise. Is. <laughs> yeah. So right now that um i don't know my mom was telling me she's like and sid say is the guy that bernard is getting used the lady uh-huh. the one with a weird accent and she, he's like she she was eating with anthony hopkins at his house sid say is the actress's name by the way no it's not yeah oh what is her real name that's that's her real oh. name Teresa. Well, I knew it was a bit weird. She's got that weird accent. Is she like Norwegian or something? <laughs> you mentioned it twice, so I'm just assuming you're right. Oh, no, the armistice chick with the snake tattoo is Norwegian. I know that. Anyway. <laughs> Going on, sorry. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Like, there's, my mom was like, yeah, um, they were eating at Anthony Hopkins' house, which they weren't. It was his <laughs> restaurant. And she's like, and she didn't know they were robots. And I'm like, well, of course she did. She works there. She wouldn't. She knows who's robots and who's not. It's like, wow. And, and I, I actually had to look up what was happening when that giant crane was coming over the hills. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing. I, I didn't know. I truly didn't understand that. Or, like, I kind of did. Like, the world's changing, but that's all I really got. Yeah, I thought they, they died for a minute. I was like, wait, what? And they just, like, <laughs> plowed through them. And I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. I thought he was just taking himself out. No, because you see this, like, getting them both killed. They, you see this gigantic crane just go, like, blah, 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 and just gobbling up the earth, heading towards them. And she looks at, like, the thing and then looks back at him with, like, a, a look like, you son of a bitch. Like, it's about to come and kill them. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make much sense. Uh, and then I saw in the next time on Westworld, and they were, like, both there. So, yeah, there's, they definitely... I'm interested to see what the storyline is, though, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. Working on the new narrative. Um, also, listen to this. So in the trailer uh, for the next season, they showed uh, Ed Harris, like, dressed in light clothing. And they showed Anthony Hopkins, like, dressed a little, like, in dark clothing. So I'm thinking, especially with the Anthony Hopkins putting his balls on the table in this last episode and being like, don't fuck with me, being lady. Being like, I- I'm God. Yeah, exactly. And now his clothes are getting dark and scary. And Ed Harris, like he, he you just assume that he's a bad guy because, well, he did because like the first rape episode. The, the first episode, you see him raping the protagonist. <laughs> well, yes, and um, I mean, I I knew this was going to happen eventually. It's like, okay, well, is it rape if it's a robot? I personally think yes. Um, I personally think anything that has sentience, um, you know, you have a moral obligation to not rape them or cut their scalp off with a knife. But so he's a pretty much deplorable person, but we don't really know what his motives are. And if 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 Anthony Hopkins is, is doubling down and suddenly going black hat here at the end. Like he's got something crazy in mind. Maybe he's not the super nice dude you know him to be. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, a – a, that's a definite twist they would do. You know, I don't think they would hold back on doing that because Anthony yeah. Hopkins has played a lot of villains in his history as, as, as has – as Ed Harris has done the same. 
but you see him changing clothes and he's trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, who knows what the hell's going to go on? I think Ed Harris might end up being a good guy, just one who rapes robots every now and then. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you, we learn in that last episode that he is a good guy in real life. Because, like, there's those guests that were hanging out with the bandits that, like, go and take him aside and say, like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that, like, your foundation saved my, like, sister's life and we really appreciate all the work you do. And he was like, get the fuck away from me, you bastards. I'm on vacation. But, like, he clearly, like, has some sort of, like, nonprofit or, like, some life-saving foundation that he runs that's made him rich. But he also, like, is an inspiration outside of Westworld. So, like... If he's yeah. in Westworld as, like, you know, like anybody playing a video game nowadays, like, if his character in Westworld just happens to be him playing GTA, like, yeah. it doesn't make him a bad person. No, no, no. No, of course not. Um, uh, we'll see. And I, I think we just have to wait, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you think that the religious uh, cult, did you think those were hosts or guests? The religious cult? Yeah, like, you know how, like, there were those religious nuts that came in and attacked everyone in that one scene, and then, like, people were like, we gotta get the hell out of here. Like, the... We, you don't remember? Like, there were the people in, like, the face paint, and they, like, jumped over the hills and attacked, like, the one group that was on, like, one of those quests. Oh, yeah, but they were fake. I mean, they were they were androids. So there's some... There was, I guess, another theory is that they're not... That those are just, like, another subset of, like, real humans that, like the Man in Black, take it to an extreme, except in another way. That that's actually, like, people that have made a religious cult within Westworld. Well, that's pretty interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Well, the thing is, with, with these ideas, is it's, like, with all these theories, and they have them ton, like, a ton of them in video games, is I think the writers of the show would flesh out these ideas, or at least hint to them. You know, because mm-hmm. those guys are like pretty uh, right off dudes. Um, yeah, that's true. At least for now. Yeah, they wouldn't introduce something like that without hinting at it a little. Um, so I'm always pretty hesitant to agree with those type of things, but we'll see. You know. Mm-hmm. I guess like even all of those crazy Game of Thrones theories that are around every year. Like, yeah. there's things that you people point to, like, well, this theory makes sense because back in season one, episode two, you see that this one character was, like, sitting next to this other character in this minor scene. But at least they, like, set it up uh, once. Like, <sighs> like that is setting it up, so. Yeah, they, they, even if it's a teensy hint, it's still there. And we just haven't seen anything about the fact that Bernard is a robot, which makes a little sense as to why they wouldn't want to clue you in. Because that's going to be some big twist. If it does happen, they want to kind of save that. Um, but, okay, so say that's true. I don't even think that has such a huge bearing on the story. You know? The story well, is these these robots are coming alive and it's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the conflict. Well, is there even a story? Like, yeah, there's like, it's an interesting, it's such an interesting show because we're four episodes in and there are all these theories out there and... Like, there really aren't that many details. Like, we're, like, Mm -hmm. there's, I don't know if there are any other shows that four episodes in, people are thinking so much about, like, just the whole scope of it already. Yes. And, but that being said, there isn't really a typical plot in the show. 
Like, if you were saying, what's the plot right now, there isn't one. It's yeah, just they, the show that's showing you the world still. Like, we haven't gotten into anything. Like, Anthony Hopkins is trying to change the the world a little bit, and Ed Harris is looking for a maze. But that isn't, like, a plot of a show. Like, imagine no. a show with robots where one human is looking for a maze. Like, that's not, like, a plot. <laughs> um, no. And what they're doing right now, obviously, is, is setting up the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and setting up the characters and moving towards that plot. It's kind of picking up with um, one scene that I thought was so incredible is um, Mauve. Or she is having the panic attack in the bar because everything's happened before and like she's remembering it happening before. Mm-hmm. She's wondering what the fuck is going on. So she goes upstairs, draws the picture of the hazmat guy, Mm-hmm. Um, that she remembers from her dream, who was actually one of the employees who worked at the corporate office, who was cleaning off her and picking the bullet fragments out or the jizz or whatever. And <laughs> and she, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go. I'll say it after your story. Yeah, and she, she sees all that and she says, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta write all these people down. I gotta write this what this guy looks like down." And she opens the floorboards and. Lo and behold, there's like hundreds of other pieces of drawings of this guy, meaning she's done this many times before. And that is going back to what we said before, where the chronology of the show is not quite clear. Mm -hmm. And that us living through the experiences of them where we don't really know the chronology. We're not sure of um, how many times this has happened before. We don't really know why she's who's written them down if it was her. So we're experiencing pretty much the same thing she's 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 experiencing, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I a lot of credit to the directors for writing it up like that, because it it felt I was blown away by that scene. So cool. Go yeah, ahead. definitely. Um, I was just gonna say another secondary thing with the show that means nothing. Kind of like like that's not that important. Kind of like when you were like trying to analyze how long everybody's loop is or something like that. Like, it's not really right. that important of a detail. It's just, like, something to think of is, like, <laughs> so we have to assume that at the end of the day, those crews, even with the guests still around, come in and clean everything up while people are asleep. And, like, like that's just that person's existence is, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to wear this hazmat suit and clean out people's jizz and put these robots back together <laughs> while everybody else in the world is asleep and then leave. Like, the day in the life... If there's an episode that's just the day in the life of what hazmat guy, it'd be pretty interesting. It seems like a quite unfortunate job. <laughs> right. But you probably get... You get an employee discount. Yeah, hopefully. I don't no, know. I would think you, they said it at the point. Would you want to... Uh, you know, use Westworld to its full advantage when you know that all the robots probably have, like, syphilis because you've cleaned them out? Well, no, I mean, they... I guess the robots, you heard it. they can't. Remember, he, he mentioned that one of the robots got MRSA. Oh, did, did he say that? Yeah, and he's like, damn it, MRSA, so they have to clean them out and change a bunch of stuff, you know? So, oh, okay. So that does happen. So it's just bizarre. It is a bit bizarre, but they, they fixed them. Remember that yeah. they, they were cleaning them? Yeah, but. yeah, they they clean them. I don't know if I trust that guy, but yeah. Anyway, for, a lot of stuff to talk about, even though it's only been like four episodes. So yeah, I'm enjoying the show a lot. I just I don't know if I'm like 100 percent on board with it being like making sense. I guess like there's too many mm-hmm. logical plot holes right now 
for me to have like a full opinion. But I will okay. say that it's like cool and it's interesting to watch. And if you look back at other shows like Game of Thrones, um, like if you go back to the first season of Game of Thrones, you watched it probably because you're like, hey, it's the Middle Ages and there are people sword fighting with horses and people are dying and it looks really cool. But like if you go back and rewatch it, like it's interesting, but it wasn't like a great show up until maybe like the end of season two. Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's, it, no. it feels weird to judge a show after only four episodes. It does. Uh, but it, again, it's a new IP, which is pretty interesting. Well, not actually. It's actually not a new IP. It was a mm-hmm. Michael Crichton book and then a movie. But it's the first time this has been adopted into a TV show. And um, we've had like True Detective, which has been like a talk of the town show and Game of Thrones. Um you don't really hear people talk about Silicon Valley, but I'd love that show. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, no, I haven't. It's very, very funny. I recommend you, you watch it as soon as you can. Um, but I, it also leads like to another question I have for you. is So this the, the budget for this program is $100 million. And Hollywood's and what budget What percentage was, of that do I think goes to Anthony Hopkins? Is that what the question is? No, but it's definitely a decent twenty-five percent. Um, no, uh, Hollywood is dying. It's just too hard to make them uh, like a, any. You can't take a chance on any movie because there's such a running, such a large risk of bombing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Netflix is picking up all these shows, and they're very successful and. Uh, their stock jumped like twenty percent recently because of higher than expected earnings, and I mean that's why there's I like think... so many more actors now. Kind of are drifting, like movie stars are actually drifting towards television, where it used yeah. to be you started with television and then you went to movies and like you would never go back. So like yeah. having all these movie stars, like Anthony, just thinking that Anthony Hopkins, who's been in ninety movies in his life and he's won, you know. Academy Awards and all these things is like in a an HBO show for a role that he's in maybe ten minutes per episode is yeah, like pretty no, remarkable. Um, I agree. It's 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 exciting to see TV kind of taking the reins um, because I honestly thought you know Hollywood and television was just going to die, uh, but you know Amazon has its own TV shows and Netflix has its own TV shows and HBO. Um, they said they would never do like a streaming only package. And then like six months later, they have HBO now. Um, but it's good to see people, even though this is a reboot, they, the original Westworld, um, was, I haven't seen it, but it's, it's, it's new to most of the people that are watching. I don't think there's like that many, like Westworld purists out there that are like watching the show being like, this isn't as good as the original or that's not how it went in the book or whatever. So even though it is like. And not an original IP. It's still new to a lot of people. Right. So they had a lot. They. It's not like they had to. Oh, we don't want to piss these people off. We have to do fan service. We have to keep all these homages into the first movie. Um, no. So I like to see them. I, to me, it's a it's a big risk mm-hmm. as far as like an like it's something that people aren't super. It's an idea that people haven't really done yet. You know, everyone likes the crime drama. There was the the night of or whatever, mm-hmm. and that was. Um, People like those, and, and those have been done before, and uh, it's it's nice to see somebody taking a chance. And the, the risk with like the West or Westworld compared to the Night of, or even True Detective, is that the Night of was maxed out at 
eight episodes. And the same thing with True Detective. It goes season by season with different stories. So yeah. the idea that Westworld is so clearly a show that they're hoping to build to, like, have a six, seven, eight season run where you could potentially – I mean, I don't know. If, what if in two years they get sick of, like, the Western aspect and they say, okay, well, we'll just go to the theme park that's next door that's in outer space. And well, you can, in, like, have the same the sort of things. Yeah, because I'm sure there's hundreds of these theme parks. In the book, there's, like, a Renaissance uh, era one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't quite remember the other one at, right now, but look it up. There's there's a lot else. But, so, like, just that idea that, like, you could potentially, in, like, one random episode, just to, like, change things up, go to Renaissance World just for an episode to give, like, a glimpse of another world and, like, how these similar things are happening with other characters just once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, like, really interesting that it's, like, such an endless opportunity. Exactly. There's so much they can do with it, and I think that's what, why they're taking a little while. T- they want to explain the rules of the world, as, uh, not as much as they can, but they want to explain the rules of the world so you can get an understanding. Um, but yeah. Uh, so wh- why – one more thing. I was about to leave, and then I decided to ask one more thing. Sure. So when William is in like – the downtown, like the saloon area for the first time, right? And he's at yeah. that gunfight. He gets shot and he flies back. And it's like, you know, it's like getting hit by a blank. Like it's painful, but he, he's not mm-hmm. getting shot. But then the one, the other robot shoots Ed Harris like 10 times and Harris is just standing there. Yeah. Like, so you can clearly get shot and like fall off your horse or whatever. But, like, so is, are we just have to assume that, like, Ed Harris is, like, leveled up to the point that, like, the bullets no longer affect him? Um, I think he has some sort of, like, heavy jacket on. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? He's like, leveled up. Yeah. I, like, so maybe he's like, he le- he's, like, level 99 and everybody else is level 2. So, like, when the people shoot him, it doesn't matter because he's, like, done it all before and his experience points are up. Because it's practically a video game. I mean, that's what, like, Westworld is. Yeah. It's an amusement park, but it's, like, a video game, like... Yeah, there's, like, like quests and Right, Easter there's quests, and, and you can go and do what you want, you can shoot the people, and you don't care, because it's, like, yeah, you should care in Grand Theft Auto that you're running over all of the civilians on the street, but it's, like, you don't, because they're not real. Well, he's certainly leveled up with corporate, because he can just rip off their scalps and... <laughs> Let him do it. He paid, that man pays a lot of money. Yeah, I know that's like their one-off, like throwaway line to right. c- cover up half the thing. Like, wouldn't you guys care that he's just dismembering your robots? You know, it's enough to shoot one, but to like rip its head off is a big problem because then where they, where they just have a bunch of heads laying around right. or scalps, they slap a new one on. Uh, Did you read the uh, the article on the Ringer that uh, Jason Concepcion wrote, where it no. was like he did a Reddit uh, AMA? Where it said, I just spent a weekend at Westworld, ask me anything. And, like, the people went and, like, went and he, like, talked about, like, what people do and, like, how much everything costs and stuff. It was, like, kind of interesting. Who is he? He's just a a, a writer for The Ringer. He, like, does all, like, their Game of Thrones recaps and stuff. Ah. He's just, like, a TV critic slash, I guess, uh, theorist. Okay. okay. I guess that's well, that's it for Westworld for now. We'll talk about it probably at the end of the season. We'll come up with something. That'll be fair. I think it's ten episodes. At the end, we can we can do a season recap, review, etc. Uh huh. Um, so, last order of business is uh, album of the week. 
or album club yeah. entry number two uh, that we set up about I think last month. Uh, we're going to talk about Sea Change by Beck. Yes. Uh, initial thoughts. What do you think? Um, I loved it. I very much loved it. It is uh, such a melancholy, and it really does sound like you're lost at sea, like on a little dinghy in the middle of nowhere. And, and that's a, I know I'm already jumping into the big sweeping statements, but it's it's like a good metaphor for life. Is you really are at the mercy of all its forces, so you're really just stuck on a dinghy in the middle of the the, the great blue, big blue, just hoping. You know, it's it's just you in your life. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And Beck, didn't he write this after his girlfriend dumped him or they split up or something? I didn't look at all at, like, in terms of, and maybe I should have, but I didn't look at all in terms of, like, context of when it came out. I just listened to it. Okay. I mean, I listened to Uh, it probably 15 times or 20 times in, like, the last month, but. Um, Yeah, and go ahead. I, I I want to hear your initial impressions, too. So, like, I was very much, I don't want to say surprised, but. Just from those opening notes, you can tell so, that it sounds so much like Morning Phase does. Yes. It's like, it's almost, they're definitely like sibling albums, if that makes yeah, sense. Like, they're, I, I, they're so similar in tone and kind of just the styles that he chooses and like how you could hear like elements of the other music that's going around at the time in both of them. Yes. Like, the, the acoustic guitar and, like, kind of, like, some sort of little, like, Pink Floydian noises and, mm-hmm. like, s- some nodes or, like, some uh, pulls from, like, kind of the grunge era where you have, like, songs that kind of have, like, little things that sound like Pearl Jam or Nirvana or, like, R.E.M. even. Um, yeah. So I thought that was – it was really interesting. I mean, you could tell, like, Golden Age sounds exactly like the opening to Morning Phase. It's just oh. – it's, that's it's like, it's hard not to – once you've heard Morning Phase, not to, like, think that they sound the same, you know? No, and, and I very much like Morning Phase, and I guess that's kind of immediately why I'm like, hey, this is this is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to, like, earlier, Beck's earlier stuff, I was expecting something closer to Odile, uh, and getting this, uh, I was very happy. Um, so, I, I'm just gonna say, I drew a lot of comparisons with this album and uh, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes and Moonshape Pool. So did I. I thought that, like, Paper Tiger is very much like a Moonshaped Pool kind of song, isn't it? Yeah. For, like, yes. Radiohead. Like, just like where Radiohead is now in their career is so much like how, like, the orchestral elements of Sea Change and kind of like the orchestral and then, like, they have, like, songs with drum machines and stuff in... Uh, back uses like the drum machines it's like there are a lot of parallels i thought paper tiger was sounded like that and like it kind of just anything with the strings sounded very johnny greenwood-esque indeed uh and <clears throat> there's so many synth elements and i can't quite remember the exact tracks but there's a lot of synth elements that i i immediately thought of tomorrow's modern boxes which is uh tom york's second solo album mm-hmm. which came out in 2013 i believe Oh, 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 2014, 14, rather. 14. Yeah, 2014. Um, which I, I I like that album, but uh, I I it seems like they used uh, what what song is it? It's gonna drive me nuts. Um, I don't know. Fuck it. Who cares? But <laughs> you can look it up if you want. 
No, no, no. It's we, we got to keep going because I'm I'm falling asleep here, uh, and I don't want to shortchange Beck. So, uh, what were your top three favorite tracks from this album? Uh, I like Paper Tiger a lot. Yeah. Uh, boy, I, I liked Already Dead a lot. I think. Yeah, that was so. That's such a cool song. Mm-hmm. And Lonesome Tears is pretty cool too. Yeah. I mean, I like most of the songs on the album. I don't think there was any songs that I disliked. Uh, there were songs that I liked more than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm saying, what are your three favorites? You said Already Dead. But Already Dead, Paper Tiger, and then uh, it'd be tough to pick, like, a third. Um, I liked Little Ones a lot. I like Lonesome Tears. I like Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're, I mean, but like I said, I, I like the majority of the songs on there. What about you? What would, what would you say your three favorite are? Um, I really like Sunday Sun. Sunday Sun is uh, good, too, yeah. Yeah, I like, since you said Already Dead, uh, I'm going to pick Around the Bend. I like that a lot. And guess I'm doing fine. Are you trying uh, to just not pick the ones that I said? No, no, no. Okay, okay. I'm not. Just making sure. Guess I'm doing fine I really liked because I think it's a very relatable um, – basically he talked about how you know, sad he is and like how shitty he feels and he says, guess I'm doing fine. And I think there's two meanings to that or you could take it one of two ways. One, it's like, you know, whenever – how are you doing, Nick? Fine. You know, so everybody can relate to that where you're really not doing okay mm-hmm. but you say you're doing okay anyway. Or he says, oh, guess I'm doing fine, where this is such a commonplace thing to feel so sad and feel so melancholic. Uh, guess I'm doing fine, because that seems to be the norm, you know? Yeah. Uh, so those are my three favorite tracks. There wasn't a track I didn't like. Um, maybe It's All in Your Mind I didn't really wasn't, like, the biggest fan of, but that's probably the only, like, dud for me. So do you have any uh, – I picked this one on our album of the week list what what uh album do you think we should pick next for or, you know maybe instead of album of the week we should call it an album of the month club well we'll, we'll figure it out we'll, <laughs> album of the show club i don't know but um before we go t- away too quickly rebecca oh sure give it a give it a rating give it a rating oh out sure. of uh out of five yeah what are we doing uh you can do half stars sure i i think it's very easily a four um and leaning towards four and a half, depending on I don't I'm, I'm a stickler. I like I don't like giving four and a half unless I'm really confident in it. But I'd say definitely yeah. a four. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I really liked it. Um, it's not something I feel like I uh, will boot up like every every week. But um, I have another album when I'm feeling kind of down in the dumps to to go off. Of, you oh, know? I, I thought you were gonna like it more than I did. I I, I, I I very much liked it, but um, I think you'd like Beck a little more than I do. That's uh, I, probably true. And I still very much like him, though. I mean, it's definitely not, like, the most exciting album. I will say that. Like, you do well, have to I be... wasn't expecting it to be super <laughs> right, exciting. Right. It's like, you know, it's it's laid back and kind of acoustic and, and pretty, you know, gentle. So it's not like an album that, like you said, you can, like, just toss on, like literally whenever you want in any mood no. like you do have to be in a certain mood for it uh, but it was cool like over the last month kind of going into it and looking at it and seeing like how kind of modern it sounded and how similar it is to his work that's come out recently and yeah 
Uh, and how, like you said, like just because, I mean, we are huge Radiohead fans and they came out with music this year and to see how similar it was to some of their stuff that's coming out now that we thought was mm-hmm. kind of like very, very innovative for Radiohead or like, oh, look, they changed. Like, obviously, there are other artists that do this stuff also. Um, I think you, I couldn't have said it better myself. So good points there. Cool. So you said you wanted to add or select the next one, right? The yeah, next one. it's it's up it's up to you. I picked back. You picked Portishead. Okay. I picked back. I, I'd say I, I think it's the consensus that the back album definitely better than the Portishead album. Yeah, um, man, <laughs> I don't want to drop another dud like the Portishead. <laughs> Well, that's the fun but, of this, right? They're albums that yeah. we've wanted to listen to. We've always wanted to listen to or, uh, or hear. So even if it stinks, like, I mean, if you picked an album and it's literally the worst thing you've ever heard, that'd be great conversation. So, yeah. Um, let's do, and there's going to be a lot of people who are listening who are kind of surprised that we both haven't listened to this album. Let's do Doolittle by the Pixies, or Pixies, rather. Okay. Because I've heard so many great things. My friends are like, oh, yeah, that was the first album I bought. I love it. And I'm, me as a, as a music consumer, uh, not having listened to Doolittle yet. We, need a, we, had a, we had a sad last album. We need to amp it up now. So, I think I, so like, I, I'm just, I have heard Doolittle before, but it was like in, oh, high, it was in high school like twice. Oh, my God. I don't know how comfortable I feel with this now. Well, like, so I got it from the library, the library near your house, as a matter of fact, in Weston. And, like, oh, yeah. I, I, like one, one of those times when they used to have all the albums there, and you just buy, you'd, like, rent 40 of them. Yeah. And then you put them all in your iTunes and listen to five. So, like, I had to do a little on there. So, like, two or three times in high school, I'd be walking around and be like, oh, well, like, every single band that ever has existed says that, like, the Pixies are a giant influence. And, yeah. like, I feel obligated to listen to it. And I would, like, tr- li- try listening to it. And I – so I don't remember anything from it. And, okay. like, I never pro- – I don't even know if I've ever listened to it full through. But just high school Nick was bored of it. So I, I'm I'm really excited to try it again. And hopefully I All like right. it now. I can't wait. I've heard a lot of great things about this album. So here's hoping. So, Yeah. Doolittle it is. Next time we have a podcast, we're going to talk about Doolittle by the Pix- or by Pixies, if you don't want to say the Pixies. Yeah, we want to do them justice, make sure we're saying their name the way they want it to be said. So, Doolittle, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard it already, so if you have, hey, here's a good time to uh, go back and reacquaint yourself. Right. Um, anything else um, that, we, that we're missing we need to talk about? No, I think that's it. Uh, the one other thing that we could mention is that you finally got a job. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did I did, but you haven't told me at all what it is. So I'm interested. <laughs> if you want to tell me off off uh, air what it is, that's fine too. But you're not job-seeking oh, no, no, no. anymore. Don't worry. I'm no longer job-seeking Nick, which I'm proud to announce. Uh, and as such, I've changed my name. From job seeking Nick to um, actually, I didn't change it. I think I was gonna, but I'm still job seeking Nick. Uh, but I did get a job, yes. Uh, and thank you for your congratulations. 
Uh, I am currently, or as of this recording, it is currently midnight, uh, the 28th of October. Uh, So it is just turned Friday. This coming Monday is my first day at my new job. I will be a data analyst for Sixt, S-I-X-T, Sixt Rent-A-Car, which is a German company that's been in, that's existed in Germany for like a hundred years, and they've existed in the United States for five. So they're like a startup and a super old history company at the same time, which I think is a really cool dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be a data analyst, which is to explain it would be very boring, but they're like a pretty modern company as far as the corporate culture, and they you know have like food as much food as you want. And there's like bottles of water you can just take whenever you want out of the fridges. Uh, so they treat their employees pretty well. And I get to dress up again in like fancy clothes. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be working here in Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami, which is a huge deal because I don't have to take the Palmetto Expressway, <laughs> which is – I it, it, it is it is a horrible road. It is so poorly planned and it's only like a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit and people go 80 and people go 40. Uh, and all, like the lanes of the world no longer apply. People just go however fast they'd feel like that day. But uh, I'm excited to be avoiding that. I get ex- the new express lanes. I'm, I'm so thrilled. And I finally uh, – I made it, Nick. So I hope you're proud. I, I am. I'm super proud. I hope, I hope to make you proud in everything I do. And I'm going to use the rent-a-cars whenever I can, I guess. Yes. You <laughs> hook, I'll try to get you the, the employee discount, friends and family. Uh, it's German luxury rental cars. So Audi, Mercedes, uh, and um, BMW. Oh, so really good And, and Porsche. Cars. Yeah, and Porsche as well. So if you want to uh, c- come into town and you need a fancy car, let me know. We'll uh, we'll hook you up. Okay? <laughs> Use the promo code uh, DELI. Exactly. Use to, promo code to, DELI. To get Nick Alvarico's uh, friends and family uh, <laughs> discount. Um, yes. Also, that just reminded me. Um, currently, uh, a friend of ours, Alfredo Salkeld, who I've known for um, some odd six years, where he's my best friend. Uh, he works in marketing, and you know he's he's very talented at what he does. And he's currently designing a uh, a new logo for us. So you guys will probably see that in the coming months. Uh, I just wanted to. It's a, at some point, him. we'll figure out exactly what we want to do. But if all goes well and we actually have – with you starting a new job and me extremely busy at my job, hopefully sometime in the near future we'll have enough time to sit down and chat and figure out what we want the, the website to look like and design-wise and if we're doing any sort of changes. Because you and me like have a lot of fun with this. And, Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to keep doing this. You know, I, um, regardless, it, yeah. I was going to say – I I, I think, um, you know, regardless of how many or how few viewers we have, I think it's just um, a a tremendous opportunity to be able to speak to you as a close friend. And I have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I I think about the way I listen to music a lot differently knowing I'm going to be talking about it, uh, if that makes any sense. I'm more in tune to the minutiae of it. relating it uh kind of i think about it differently when i know i'm going to be talking about it and i'm going to be trying to talk to other people about it and people who may not have listened to it and 
uh, I have a lot of fun with this, and I hope you do too, and I hope we continue to do this in the future. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I, I appreciate talking to you also. I think it's really fun. I hope somebody out there listens. I know Andre listens. Hey, Andre. And I know Sean used to listen, my friend from Mankato, so... If Sean's still listening, <laughs> hey, Sean, I don't know. <laughs> I've got a cohort of friends who um, claim who listen they listen. Well. Yes, uh, maybe perhaps so I don't yell at them. But um, I just I think this is a good time to thank all the listeners who've stuck with us this far. And a 12 is an odd number to start doing things like this. <laughs> thank but, you so uh, much for supporting our 12 episodes. <laughs> in, indeed. Um, remember, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at... FOTD or out the deli. You can follow us at. <laughs> what, have we ever gotten that right in the first try? Well, the thing is, I think you're in charge of the Twitter um, account. I don't have access to the handle, so you might know better than I. Uh, and I, it, it always ends up being me who's saying, "Don't forget to follow us," even though I don't manage the accounts. So it's up to you. Uh, nobody follows us anyway. Hey, but hey, follow us on Twitter at, at the deli. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, you can also reach us on Facebook at Fresh at the Deli. You can connect with Nick Sicali, my partner here. Uh, Nick, what's your handle? At Nick Sicali. It's very easy to remember. Indeed. Uh, you can follow me at Job Seeking Nick. We'd love to hear what you thought of the Beck album. We'd love to hear what you thought about Portishead. Uh, and if Westworld. you listen, Westworld as well. Uh, a lot to talk about. If you you know, tell us about your experience in live music we love our fans and we'd like to thank you guys once more but uh that's that about covers it nick yep unless you know we're good we'll uh talk sometime in the next few weeks and thanks again okay 